0: This is Two guys in a River. I'm Steve Matthewson and I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are two guys in a river for the love of fly fishing. This is episode 8 and today's topic is crazy stuff that happens when fly fishing. If you're going to fly fish, you need a sense of humor and a dose of patience. Sometimes you won't know whether to laugh or to cry because of the crazy stuff that happens. The first category of crazy stuff has to do with fly rods. Dave, tell our listeners about the time you lost your fly rod between Hebgen and Quake Lake. You remember that? I do. It was snowing that day. Do you remember? Yeah, it was.
1: What I remember about that day was I think we only caught one fish and I should say you caught that fish it was this beautiful uh, spawner it was a rainbow yeah that's and, right and uh, we, we were fishing those runs and yep. it was just it was one of those great days in which we didn't catch many fish the holes were unbelievable yeah and yet there were no fly fishers there and yet the fishing was so poor but I remember peeling off our waders or peeling off my waders and um and then jumping in the truck and heading back to uh, Bozeman and, um, I don't somewhere between, actually, I think it was not until we got back to Bozeman and how far is it from Hebgen Lake to Bozeman? Oh my, it's probably, I want to say it's 90 miles. It was a couple hours almost because yeah. you're winding mm-hmm. by the time you leave, and right. get to, you know, so it wasn't until we got to Bozeman. I realized I had left the fly rod on top <laughs> of your little red Toyota truck yeah. and um, and so my guess is we never went back because my one well, I don't think the rod was worth even going back two hours right. to go get
0: it. <laughs> right. I can't say I feel really bad for you. I still think you did that so you could buy a new Orvis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's when I got my first Orvis. It yeah. was after that. we walked into I think it was at Fins and Feathers. Yeah, that's right. It's not like you lost an Orvis or a Sage or a Winston. It was it was a good rod, but No, it, it was a, uh, it was a good but it was definitely one
1: of the lower middle class uh, fly rods. Yeah. And then I had to make the justification to Moab. Actually, I don't remember actually even remarking uh, or letting her know that I had lost my fly rod, <laughs> yeah. but it is always difficult to lose a piece of gear or to have to buy gear while you're on an expensive trip yeah, to begin with. Yeah, that's really and, true. And uh, it just kills you. But oh, uh, I, know. I choked it down and uh, yeah. bought myself my first Orvis.
0: Ah, well, I remember once losing the upper rod section of an Orvis eight foot four weight, beautiful rod, and I, I was fishing with my sons. We were. Uh, We were in the Owyhee River that's in eastern Oregon, uh, just across the state line from where my in-laws live in Idaho, and uh, we were fishing there, and and the the Owyhee, it's tailwater, comes out of this big reservoir, and and it's really not a huge uh, river, it's, uh, you know, the place where we were fishing, in fact, You, you could easily walk across it, we were walking back and forth, and there was a little run right by the, the edge that was maybe three feet deep. Might have been, yeah, might have been waist high. And we had finished fishing and my sons were getting back and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, took my fly off and I'm, I'm uh, you know pulling in my, my line and I didn't realize that, that my rod ferrules weren't tight enough and boom, the upper section just drops off into the river and I kind of watched it float and I said, hey Luke, go get that, no big deal. <laughs> And, and he went after it, and we lost it. I mean, it wasn't like it was this raging whitewater. And we looked and looked and looked and looked and looked for that. And uh, So what did you do? Did You st- You know what? I was sick about that. I thought, I'm sure that, that I'm going to have to, you know, that Orvis isn't going to cover this. Well, I, I called our good friends at Fins and Feathers uh, Fly Shop in Bozeman, and they said, oh, yeah, Orvis will, will cover that just send in the piece you still have and you know they they treated it like a broken rod and so i i did get the the rod back uh you know just the the, the shipping charge whatever it is but uh,
1: between you and me i think orvis may be uh may be giving us a call here at some point oh going, man hey.
0: i know i've i've stepped on another the first rod i ever got from orvis i i had it by my fly tying bench it was in a uh just off of the kind of the oh, utility room or or in in the West we call them a mud room. And one night I went to get something in the mud room and, and I'm walking around in the dark and I hear this crack. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and so yeah, I mean we, we've had our share of stuff that happens with rods. Although I don't think we've had as much crazy stuff happen with rods as we have with vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we've got some memories. Uh, back in the day, uh, when Dave and I fished together, Dave had this blue Chevy Nova. Was it was like a 1972. It was a 1971. It was my uh, first car. Yeah, okay, and this is the early 80s now. Right, right, so. right.
1: So this, this 1971 blue two-door Nova Yeah. I purchased from my aunt, and this thing would scream. I yeah. never lost a race in this thing. It had yeah. a 307 two barrel carburetor, yeah. but it had this power glide transmission. Mm-hmm. So if you were going about 20 miles an hour and you punched it, it would throw you into the into the trunk. Yeah. And I have to tell you this non-fishing story, okay. but I think it was like in the fall of 1980 or the spring of 1981. It was a it was a cold dark night. Actually, it was <laughs> It wasn't dark, it was a full moon, and I hooked up with uh, Eric and his buddy, a friend of ours named Eric, he had a Mustang. I think it was like Mm -hmm. a 70 Mustang, 71, or maybe 73 Mustang, where we decided to race. We were going about 60. He pulled up alongside (laughs) in Montana, and we turned off our lights, and we punched it. Oh, man. I remember looking down at my speedometer, and it would go, the speedometer went to 130, and when you would get over about 118 119 the front end would shake oh man but once you got to about 123 124 it it would smooth out so i buried i the last thing i remember looking at the uh i had buried the needle oh man and and we were still side by side oh my word so, with your lights off with our lights oh. off <laughs> so could man. you imagine having hit a deer or oh, even a goodness. rabbit or any, it oh. was like you know again As I've mentioned in so many earlier podcasts, the male brain. That's right. But this Chevy Nova was like my heart and soul. So we were out,
0: yeah. And so that makes it really painful. Remember that time in Elk Creek near Augusta, Montana?
1: Yeah. So we were fishing Elk Creek, which we've mentioned in other podcasts, and and we were out fishing and I simply left the keys in the trunk. So here we are Mm. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And I don't know, did somebody even come by? Yeah, you know, I
0: think finally, because, we, yeah, we were looking around, what can we do? The buddy who was with us said, well, here's a rock, maybe we can break the window. And you said, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, I don't think I, so. I think a rancher drove by, and remember he got a, his toolbox out, got a screwdriver, and he, he kind of punched, punched out the trunk lock.
1: Yeah, punched out the trunk lock, and, and then we uh, used a screwdriver to kind of to uh, wiggle the lock Mm -hmm. and open the trunk and yep there were the keys they were actually in my fly vest oh man uh so
0: wow it's just heartbreaking i remember once when you and i were driving on a dirt road somewhere somewhere near great falls i think we were probably heading there again to fish uh, near augusta and we're on this dirt road and and the rain was just coming down. No, no, I know what it was. It was a main highway, but there was about a two-mile stretch that they were going to repave. And, and so it was just gravel, and, and it was mud that day. And something happened to your wiper blade. I think it broke off or something. It wasn't working. So I still remember, I've, I've got my head out the passenger side you know, telling you where to drive so you don't go off the road, and I'm getting hit with these mud splats. (laughs) I barely remember that. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. That's because your head wasn't hanging (laughs) out the window. True, 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 true. You know, there there was a more serious situation, though, last summer. It didn't involve us. But uh, remember, we saw this in the paper uh, afterwards, but uh, you and I had fished the Wyoming Bighorn near Thermopolis, Wyoming, with a friend of ours, and... A day before, uh, Bobby Knight, you know, the legendary basketball coach, had fished that same water. And that night, as he was leaving the area, he actually hit a cow with his Ford expedition and he totaled it. Wow. It can happen to anyone, though. Uh,
1: And it can happen with, uh, you know, with a deer um with
0: elk oh yeah i mean if you had an elk that oh, went through the, i know i mean you'd be toast because it would moose. man well a moose Terrible. would come through the windshield yeah. so you'd be a complete goner well, i think bobby knight was driving in an open range area and, and it was dark you know there's there's no street lights out in some of those uh, uh remote uh rural highways they may be main routes but they're still rural highways and uh yeah, always kind of scary what can happen with uh, vehicles you know i i remember another time when i was in high school and my brother dave and i were fishing a little stream near hallowell park in rocky mountain national park it's really just a little uh, meadow picnic area and it's right by the main road that leads to bear lake you know pretty popular area well the, the creek was right over the bank from the mountain road and And from where we started fishing, and it would only take about 30 to 45 minutes to go upstream to a natural stopping point. We would go up and then come back. So we went up, and on the way back down, I'll never forget it. We kind of come around this little bend, and here's a brand-new car, uh, nose down in the creek, and it scared the daylights out of me. Yeah, it turns out that an elderly guy had fallen asleep because of some medication, and, and he was okay, and they had him, you know, in an ambulance Gone by then, but uh, but we really <laughs> oh, wow. shuddered to think, man, we were fishing that very hole about 15 minutes before. <sighs> you think, man, if that car would have come down over the bank when we're there, you know, that, that would have been it. Oh, my goodness, that's that's like lightning strike oh. striking you. I know. Well, hey, then there's the crazy stuff that's brought on by animals, and we we touched on some of this already in an earlier podcast, but. Uh, Dave, anything else that you think of that's happened to you that fits the category of crazy when you're out you know, fishing and you have some kind of a uh, crazy encounter with wildlife? Well, there was a time in the mid-'80s uh,
1: when I went to fish Elk Creek in Augusta, Montana, and we've already mentioned that several yep. times. It was a, just a great creek. I don't know... Uh, what the creek is like no, today? No, didn't it silt? Yeah, all the beaver bit? dams did yeah. silt out. Yes, yeah, so I have wow. no idea. So I'm, good. And I think the land has been sold several times, so I don't even think we have access yeah. to that. You could fish up in the BLM, but that's uh, further up. But we were yeah. fishing
0: philosophy; we had permission to fish. I bet if we went back and said, "Hey, we're two guys in a the river," they'd say, "Oh yeah, we've heard of you. We'll let you fish."
1: Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll bring out the shotgun and yeah, get us off the that's land. right. But we always would camp up in the BLM. So um, I don't know if it was 5 or 10 miles from Flossie's
0: to the BLM, yeah, but it was all dirt, right. gravel road. Yep.
1: And um, so one year that we were there, I think it was the year By prior. By the way,
0: BLM is Bureau of Land Management for those who aren't from the West. It would be a lot like National Forest yes, Land. exactly. Yeah. So you know you
1: can camp on it yeah. mm-hmm. and fish in it without permission. Yep. So, um, but I think it was the year before that we heard a helicopter and saw them take out a bear. Hmm, and yeah. I couldn't see in the cage whether it was a grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. But most likely if they were pulling yeah, it out there's right a lot there. a there. That's the heart of that grizz country. That goat, Bob Marshall, oh my goodness. area. Yeah. So this is about a year later. So we're camped out. And I wake up at about 2 a.m. in the morning. And I can't remember if my brother was there or if I had taken mm-hmm. another friend out there. And I heard this sniffing. <laughs> and I had this thought, this is a grizzly bear. And I thought, okay, where did we put our food? Um, and I was completely paralyzed because wow. as you know, there's just this thin lining between you and that grizzly bear oh, yeah. no. of the of the tent. And um, so I, I waited and eventually the sound went away and I got up, went out the side of the tent, didn't see anything. And um, so about a year or two later, um, I w- went to the same spot mm-hmm. and we wanted to fish flossies again and i think i was with my brother matt at that time and so i brought my father's uh 3030 winchester 3030 mm-hmm. uh a firearm and wow. um, I remember having you know two or three ch- shells in the magazine, and also I jacked one into the chamber no and way. slept with that thirty <laughs> thirty. No <way>. <laughs> <laughs> It'd been more smart if I'd had bear spray, yeah, right? Because really. you know that would be more likely to, to repel a bear than a yep. than, than mm-hmm. two you know thirty yeah. thirty slugs. Plus,
0: you won't end up in court for a big lawsuit. Yes, man. exactly.
1: So, um, but uh, so I never used the rifle. But man, there are so many grizzly bears. Near, a, near the mouth of this, in a oh, sense, the scapegoat there, the trailheads that go into the scapegoat I, wilderness. I know. And uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, both in Yellowstone and in other places of Montana, you just always have to yeah, be aware of that. you really
0: do. You know, I, I've never run into a moose when I've been fly fishing. I, I've seen, in fact, I was fishing uh, uh, beaver ponds down south of Jackson, Wyoming. Uh, I think it's the Booteront National Forest. And I remember catching brookies, and I remember seeing a, a moose about 100 yards away from me, a cow moose. And, of course, that's, that's back in the day when, yeah, ignorance was bliss. I didn't really realize how dangerous they were, but I've got to tell you this story. It involves hunting, but uh, back in the late 1980s, my brother Dave uh, shot a bull elk in, a, in this gorgeous mountain meadow in the Beartooth-Absorkee Wilderness. It's actually up Mill Creek. Uh, south of Livingston, the oh, Mill yeah. Creek drainage, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it comes down to Paradise Valley. Yep. My folks lived uh, right, uh, you know, just right a few there. miles yeah, from there, right, from, from Mill Creek, and so we would go up and we, we bow hunted and then we'd rifle hunt up in the beartooth Tooth Wilderness area. Well, uh, this park, I had actually shot a, a bull there about a year before, but my brother was in there. My brother Dave, he and my dad were actually, uh, well, Dave shot a bull, and my dad and my brother were boning out the meat. You had to pack it out uh, just to get it back up to the trail where you could get a horse in. And so they're boning it out, and my brother nicked his thigh uh, with his hunting knife. And so he, uh, (laughs) he dropped his pants. You know, they're in the middle of this park, so he drops his pants. They're down by his ankles, and he's checking at this wound. And at that moment, he hears this grunt and this crash and here comes this cow moose followed by a big bull moose These big paddles and they're they're yeah they're headed right for him so he's he's like a norman rockwell scene i know it so he's shuffling over to a tree to grab his rifle you know how that is when your pants are down by your ankle and right at the last awesome yeah right at the last minute the cow and the bull veered around him and he said he was never so scared in his life so and he, you never know you never know when you're out there what's going to happen with uh <laughs>
1: with an animal i was out elk hunting in colorado uh many years ago and uh came over this ridge and, and came face to face with a cow and her calf which of course is as dangerous a as moose, it gets right? a, yeah, yeah a cow well, moose yeah. yeah and um and I remember just backing up slowly walking you know tiptoeing kind of looking over my shoulder because Mm -hmm. um
0: you just do not want to get between a cow moose and her calf i know that's for sure and i know we've talked about it before but i know when we fish i think we both do this i get so zoned in on the the run that i'm fishing or the hole that i'm fishing and 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 i forget sometimes that wow i got to be aware of my surroundings you know what what if there's a you know what if there's a a bear what if there's a a moose or a a wolf that's uh you know that's right there you got to watch there was that
1: one time and I don't know if you remember this we were fishing below tower fall again as we often do when we go out there and we thought we saw a grizzly bear about a 200 yards away remember that and we kind of paused and we like stood there for probably 20 or 30 minutes until we realized it was a big, downed tree, yeah, and yeah. Uh, but it it was, you know, for a few moments they were thinking, because um, 100 yards for a bear who oh, is nothing. They,
0: they close that so they fast. They could close that in seconds. You really have to be quick with your uh, bear spray. Okay, how about weather-related stuff? Any crazy stuff happened to you or happened to us related to weather? Well,
1: just recently, I don't know, if the last time we fished in the spring in Bozeman several years ago, um, there was an April snowstorm. Yeah, and, which, which uh, one? Yeah, huh? no kidding, no <laughs> kidding. And it dumped on us, and we ended up hanging around Bozeman the whole morning waiting for the roads to be plowed. Of course, we were able to do a lot of eating as well, so that <laughs> yeah, made for a very right.
0: productive morning. Yeah, that's right. That's where uh, the knowledge of restaurants uh, really uh, fits in well. Yeah, and, and I remember going out after that, going back to the Madison, and, man, I remember that the snow just stuck to your... Wading boots, you know, felt you know bottoms to your boots, and I remember we remember we had to get down and just walk in the water the whole way. Yeah, I, I remember forget that. the trail because it was so bad. I can't
1: remember. I don't think fishing was that great that afternoon.
0: I don't know that it was. You know, it's it, the fishing during a snowstorm is really good. We're going to talk about that sometime on on a podcast. But sometimes afterwards, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I and
1: yeah, yeah, it just wasn't. I don't. I remember it being. Very, uh, yep. I mean, we may have caught a
0: couple, but right. it, was, it was
1: not one of those banner afternoons. Oh, I
0: know it. You know, the other thing to keep for people to keep in mind is that uh, crazy weather stuff doesn't just happen in the spring and in the fall. I mean, even in the summer. Uh, last summer, Dave and I floated the Wyoming Bighorn with a, a good friend. I just talked a little bit about that with uh, the whole Bobby Knight uh, thing where he hit that cow the day before. But we were floating that day. It was so hot that I left my waders in the truck, and I had nylon pants. I knew they'd dry pretty quickly in a, a dry-fit shirt. And, and I just took my wading sandals. But about an hour from taking out, remember it got cool and oh, rainy. Man. And, man, by the time we got to the truck, I was, I was shivering. Yeah,
1: I, I was very, very cold that afternoon. It was, uh, it was very cold. This is one of the big issues, I think, in being in the outdoors – and it's and it's so important uh, as you think about what you do out right. there. There was a story several years ago. A friend of ours with, was out with a friend out in Montana. It was in January. I think oh, they yeah. were out elk hunting. And I think yeah, when November, they, November it was in was, November, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And they, yep. um, I think when they left the truck, it was about 60 degrees or 50 degrees. It was pretty warm and they, I don't think they had good shoes on. They thought they would just be gone an hour right. or two. Right. They
0: did in the truck. They left their boots in the truck. And, and uh,
1: and one of them didn't make it because yeah, a no, snow squall was, came in and yep. he died of hypothermia. It was yeah, that very really tragic. Yeah, was
0: sad. You know, another thing you have to really watch out for is lightning and and i remember even that day on the wyoming bighorn we we finally put our rods away right yep. towards the end yep. because wow well, graphite rod you talk about a lightning rod i mean that that is a that lightning is a rod. lightning rod Yep. well know, related to that back in the late 1980s i was fishing in paradise valley i was on the yellowstone river just north of the pine creek bridge and it was actually on property that was owned by a rancher who was my brother's father-in-law and anyway I, I remember catching a nice brown trout in a woolly bugger and then it started to rain so i waited it out under some cottonwood trees close to the bank and actually we had all camped there one uh you know one summer uh, just kind of by the bank and so i, I ran to those trees and you know, it was fine shower disappeared went on my way but a couple years later uh, that rancher had four cows struck by lightning under that very clump of trees. Wow. And that, that really uh, kind of shook it's me so up. So sobering. Yeah, it really is. You really have to be careful. Well, there's other crazy stuff too. Um, I remember the time when I took my son Luke out to the bear trap to fish our favorite rainbow run, and he was, he was 10 years old, and he's just a hardcore he outdoorsman. He is hardcore. Yeah, Luke is hardcore. He, really he is, is so serious. Well that day he was he was getting the flu and I remember on the way out saying, Hey Luke, do you wanna turn around go back? No, no, I want to fish this and he <laughs> throws up in the back of my in the cab of the truck. And then as we're walking in, he throws up along the trail. I, I remember it was right <laughs> at the base of the wilderness area sign, and I said, Luke, do you wanna go back? No, no, no. And he insisted he was gonna go in to fish and, and he did, and he caught a couple big rainbows and then he laid down on the bank and I think you know chucked up whatever was left, and then fished some more. <laughs> well, that's really dedication. You know, that's yeah. probably
1: why he makes such a great Division I football player. You know, he's yeah, got that hardcore, so. you know, what it takes to push through. Oh, man, I know it. I know. Then there's the big fish that you're trying to net and then wraps around your legs.
0: Oh, I, I hate that fact. I'll, I'll tell you a story someday about the time that happened to me. As I was trying to help that son, Luke, uh, land a huge brown and and the thing gets tangled around my legs and oh he was so mad at me <laughs> it would be
1: great for us to do a podcast on not just to how to catch well actually how to land big fish yeah, i have just that's not true i mean i've caught my share of, of trout that i would consider big um but not the monsters. There are so many trout that I've left in in the river. Well, they always go back in the river because we catch and release, but um, that I've not landed simply because I don't know how to land some of those. I don't know how to play some of those bigger fish.
0: Oh, I know. Hey, remember the time that you sprained your ankle on a backpack fishing trip in the Little Belt Mountains near Great Falls? I mean, we we had just met. I think it was a couple of weeks after you and I met for the first time. So we're... You know, we're very mature (laughs) 19-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, all I remember was thinking was, I hope this guy isn't going to slow me down. I'm here to fish. I mean, there's your mature 19-year-old attitude. Yeah, our friendship
1: was in its real nascent stage at that that, point. That's right. (laughs) I had purchased some new boots based on your recommendation. Weren't they called mason boots? Yeah, something like that. With vibrant soles? Right,
0: the big old waffle stompers. Oh, my goodness. Has technology changed? (laughs) Yeah, they were great on the environment, weren't they?
1: I didn't know so, if I was going to make my way back. I mean, it, the, it, the, I had really twisted it. I think I had twisted it climbing up that ravine, kind yeah, of coming out of that mm-hmm. canyon
0: where we had fished. Yeah, you know, big 40-pound uh, pack on your back, and it's, it's easy to do. Yep. So didn't you have to fish uh,
1: some small streams a couple years ago in Colorado with the salmon rod that you had brought oh, by
0: mistake? Yeah, what an idiot. So here's the deal. I have this Orvis eight foot four weight, which I like for small streams, and I often take that traveling with me. And it's in a maroon rod case. Well, then I have another Orvis nine foot eight weight, which unfortunately is also in a maroon rod case. So I had gone to Colorado with my two sons, Ben and Luke, and we were <clears throat> we were streamside. <clears throat> we had actually hiked back in, so you know we strapped our uh, you know, our rod tubes onto our backpacks, and and so I, I take this off, and I realized, oh no, I've got my eight weight rod. Now, for those of you who are new to fly fishing, I mean, trying to cast with an eight weight rod when when your reel has four weight line, and you're in a little stream, that's kind of like gopher hunting with a three hundred Winchester Magnum, or or trying to till your ten by. Ten foot by ten foot garden with a John Deere four wheel drive tractor and a disc harrow that's about ten feet wide. I mean it's ridiculous, but you know the funny thing was it, it worked. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, it, it worked. Maybe it's because maybe I'm not a good enough caster. It's like, hey, I'm I do just as well with an eight weight and a and a four weight line. So, so was a brook trout? Because. Yeah, uh, I would explain yeah, a few l- things. little brookies, right? But you know, the thing was that the casting wasn't too bad, and I guess I guess what you figure out from that is you, you can make do if if you have to. But I guess as you think about all these crazy things that happen, Dave, what's yeah, you know, what's the lesson in all of this? Well, yeah, I
1: think the lesson is it's not just about the fly fishing itself. I mean, you need a sense of humor and a dose of patience. Uh, yeah. to be a fly fisher because of all the crazy stuff that happens. In fact, to me, that's what makes it so wonderful. It's it why is. I love yeah. it. Yeah,
0: right. It's not automatic. I mean, I've, I've been out there, and I remember one time I was fishing with a friend. His name is John, and I won't give his last name because this reflects poorly on both of us, but uh, <laughs> we were in a drift boat with this guy, and, and we had just taken off from uh, you know, the access where we put in, and he goes, all right, you know, right up here... Uh, you know, about 100 yards there's this incredible run and, and you know we get one shot at it well uh, I think both of us hooked our flies in a tree and <laughs> it's like ah oh, you gotta be kidding so you, you're right you, you need a sense of humor you gotta have a bit of patience well
1: you need to laugh uh you also need to take your surroundings seriously yeah that's anytime so true. you're in the outdoors Um, you know, weather animals, the drive to your fishing spot. You never know what crazy stuff is going to happen. That actually reminds me of a final story here. When I was fishing near the collegiate wilderness, uh, in Colorado, there's a high mountain lake that I have fished often. It's just a great, uh, great little lake that has these cutthroat. They're really thin. It must be, there's just not a lot of fat on them. Right. Not a lot of feet up in those high mountain lakes, but it, you know, it takes you about four or five hours to get in there. And if you take your backpack. And by the time you set up your little tent, you're right near the, uh, timberline there. Well, it started to rain. And we sat in that tent because we were not going to come back down until we were able to catch <laughs> wow. some fish. We, I, we must have just sat in the in the tent, played cards and read books until that rain abated. But I think we were there for a good twenty-four to you know to thirty-six
0: hours until oh, the man. rain abated. That's just brutal. Yeah,
1: it was it was actually miserable. But uh, wow. you know the things you do for fly fishing.
0: I know weather animals drive to your fishing spot. You never know what crazy stuff is going to happen. All right, that'll do it for today. The topic for our next podcast is fishing the hatch. We'll tell you what to expect when you fish the insect hatches. Actually, you're fishing for trout. When you fish during those insect hatches that just make the trout go crazy. And we'll try to give you some tips for fishing those hatches when you're fortunate enough to experience one. Well, there's lots of times when we fish, we're, you know, we're not fishing a
1: hatch. And so, uh, but when it happens, right. it's one of those wonderful uh, moments. Got to be ready to go. Yep. So in the meantime, we'd like to hear from you. Go to twoguysinariver.com That's two with a numeral, twoguysinariver.com And post something crazy that happened to you while fly fishing and any of the lessons you learned, if there are any lessons to learn. <laughs> and also be sure to follow us on Twitter and like
0: us on Facebook. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.